Hey, everyone, this is Chris and Cindy, Bit with the Chris and Cindy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And today we've got a special show for you. Instead of an artist, we have an author. And you may have heard of him, but you definitely have heard of his brother, and we're proud to have him on. You know, His name is Mark Grisham, the brother of John Grisham, who's the big author. But he's a great author in his own, so we're, we're proud to have him on and talk about some of his story and talk about some the book that he's releasing and all that. So, Mark, are you here? Yes, sir, I am. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today. It's our pleasure. So as we get yeah. started here, I always like, you know, even though this is not an artist one, I still think it affects people. So I always like to start with the big elephant in the room. What is, um, how has COVID affected you so far and how are you maneuvering through it? Uh, it really shut me down. I I do a lot of speaking engagements at libraries and just anybody mm-hmm. that'll listen to me come come run mm-hmm. my mouth and they all they all got canceled <laughs> pretty quick there. So uh I think I've done one book signing in the last uh six months, so it definitely affected me. Uh I oh, really wow. when I first, when it first started the shutdown I kinda hit Facebook pretty hard thinking I might get some sales 'cause uh mm-hmm. folks, you know, don't have anything else to do. But we got a few, but I think <laughs> It's amazing what people have come up with to, to entertain themselves on the internet. Now it's uh, it's amazing what's going on. <laughs> kind of scary at times too, but uh, yeah. but uh, it's, it uh, like it's I guess it's less. affected everybody. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping everybody stay home and read, but apparently that's not going to happen. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hard to read. Kind of hard to read when you got a house full of kids too. There, so that when the kids are home, oh, it's hard true. to read. <laughs> that is true because we we've got oh, an eight year old and an eighteen month old, and you probably yes. heard her a while ago. And it's like yes. you know, to even concentrate is sometimes it's like rough, and and we have to balance trying to it do is. this show and trying to keep her quiet. The eighteen month old sometimes it's just whoa, man, what's going on? It's <laughs> difficult uh, sometimes. Yep. <laughs> I, I do understand. We have a four-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old that we're raising that we just adopted about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So I know uh, all about yeah. the kids. Yeah, We thought we were through raising children, but uh, apparently God had other plans oh, wow. for us. So it, it's kind of a oh, funny story. Yeah. My, my wife and I went to high school together uh-huh. and kind of went our separate ways after high school. We mm-hmm. got together about 15 years ago and used to kind of, you know, she'd already raised her kids and I'd raised mine. And we thought, boy, it would have been nice if we could have had a couple of kids together and Boom. Oh, wow. <laughs> Be careful what you ask oh, wow. for because my mom always said the good Lord got a sense of humor. So I, I think he uh, he got us on this one because he surprised us with a couple <laughs> yeah. of babies that we did not anticipate. But uh, oh, wow. so God we're good. Was we're blessed. Down saying, okay, we're going to make this work. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just thought you were going to kick back and take it easy for a while. But uh, whew, man, I tell you, it's uh, now we understand why God wanted us to have kids when we were, we were young because. Uh, we're we're say in our fifties now, so fifty ish. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. it's mm-hmm. tough, man. I'm telling you, two little boys and the oldest well, kid has some behavioral issues, but we got him on medication, so that's helped a whole lot. So whew, we all gonna oh, be on medication. And, and, and we're <laughs> older parents too. And you know, we're oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm forty. We're yeah. forty. I'm forty nine. Yeah. I'm forty nine, oh, wow. and we've got an eighteen month old. And an eight-year-old. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you, can, you can feel our pain. Then. We can. can feel our pain. Yeah. There are some nights it's, that it's you fun. hit the bed and you're out. It is oh, absolutely. Fun, and we, we get such a great deal of joy out of them because they are just too, oh, you yeah. know how they are when they're two or three years older in their own little world. Oh, yeah. They're learning how right. to speak and, and, and their brains are starting to come alive and they just ask the funniest questions and it's it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. It's it's something we really get to enjoy. So, but uh, yeah, they keep us busy. There's no so, doubt. So. 
Right. So tell us a little bit about your backstory. I always, you know, because I'm one that whether I bring an artist on, an author, it doesn't matter. I want to know not just the writer, but the person. So take a few minutes just to tell us your backstory a little bit, and and of course tie it into the big author, because you're going to be one, and, and you're following his footprints, I think. So we'll go. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit. Okay, well, we uh, I was born in the big town of Black Oak, Arkansas, about 200 people. <laughs> it's about 30 minutes, 30 minutes from Jonesboro oh, wow. and about an hour north of, uh, of Memphis. Uh, if you ever saw the Painted House or read the book of Painted House, uh, it uh-huh. was about our family in Arkansas when my dad was still trying to be a cotton farmer. Um, John wrote it, oh gosh, probably close to 20 years ago. Uh, made a great movie out of it. Oh, wow. and, uh he even narrated the thing, but uh, the funny thing was in the in the book in the movie he was an only child, and actually there were four of us on the farm at the time, so we kind of figured he wrote us off. What happened to us? Uh, but uh, anyway, we left there. My dad uh, was had some bad luck farming, and he got to running heavy machinery, and we got a job in Memphis and uh, right across state line in North Mississippi. You could throw a rock from from our, where we lived to hit Memphis there. But uh, oh, well. we moved there in 1967 wow. and stayed there. All of us graduated high school there. Um, Mom and Dad moved off in the early 90s back up in the mountains of Arkansas and retired up there. And uh, We just all kind of went our separate ways. I lived over in Georgia for a while. I uh, lived in Alabama for oh, about five and a half years, and we've been here in East Tennessee for about four and a half years. So uh, we just... We almost we're almost Rolling Stones. They really don't want to be, but uh, it kind of worked out that way. But uh, <laughs> I went to college over at Arkansas State University in Jonesboro, and I mm-hmm. was a history major. And that's kind of where my 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 love for history uh, kind of just took it up to another level. I'd always been inter- interested in the Civil War and everything, the history of that era, uh, and just you know read book after book when I got out of college and and started learning about the diplomacy and everything that was going mm-hmm. on that we never hear about and never read about and. Just was really fascinated by it, and just uh, still am. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of frustrating when you stand back and look at it and say, "We didn't. This did not have to happen." But of course, nobody was listening yeah. to anybody. It's kind of like today. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like yep, today, nobody almost nobody's listening to anybody. So, <laughs> but anyway, that's that's the background. Uh, John, gosh, in 1988, I guess the time the kill came out. Um, and we oh, were right. living there in South Haven. I was. Uh, I had just got married the first time, so we were all pretty much kind of just starting to go our separate ways or, or, or go into life, mm-hmm. I guess. And, yeah. uh, man, all of a sudden he wrote a book, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't really do really well. And then uh, oh, we wow. kind of heard a, a rumor about a screenplay for the next book he'd written called The Firm. And mm-hmm. he got a publishing contract on that uh, on that book, and, I mean, he sold 17 million copies. So that that's where it all <laughs> took off right there, just. Uh, and from there, now, it was just one after another. Did your love of another. writing come from that? Uh, I, I, you know, I've thought a million times. You know, I, people used to ask me, you know, <laughs> what's wrong with you? How come you? How come you haven't written a book yet? What's wrong with you? You know, I'm like, well, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, but uh, I, several years ago, uh, I had moved off to Georgia and moved back and was going through some rough times and. Uh, I had a buddy had a Christian counseling ministry, and uh, no I started going to see him, and we were kind of discussing life, and, and uh, he got mm-hmm. he was an old friend of mine from high school, and he used to ask me questions about the Civil War, and I'd give him a thirty minute answer, and he'd kind of laugh, but also, man, you ought to write a book about the Civil War. You got a head full of knowledge, and and uh-huh. he kind of clicked on, and, and we'd meet and talk, and then uh, he asked me one day, how did they treat mentally ill people during that era? And I was like, uh. 
I don't know. I've never read about it. So <laughs> we started doing research and came up with a, a story, and he had his characters, and I had my characters, and uh, Borders bought the book from us back in 2008, and it was published that fall oh, wow. just as the economy crashed and the real estate market crashed and everything crashed. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> my timing on book releases is not too good because uh, that was what happened in 2008, <laughs> okay, and then – Yes, man, I'm, I'm I'm scared to write another book. I don't know what's going to happen. So, so I don't know. But, you might uh, destroy our you might destroy our world if you write another one. Huh? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm just dangerous here. But uh, but uh, I had we we did that and and it kind of flopped. Uh, of course, everything went crazy there, and I went back to my day job, and then I got a great job offer in Birmingham, and uh, me and my wife moved down there with my uh, my youngest daughter, and. Uh, had a great job two or three years, and that kind of played out. So I just kind of started dabbling with writing again, and I actually wrote most of Diablo uh, about seven mm-hmm. years ago, and uh, oh, wow. never did finish it up. Let a few people read it, and they just had a fit over it, and just kept asking me, "Why have you not got this thing published?" But um, I don't know it. Uh, <laughs> I ran into my agent TJ about a year and a half ago, and we got to talking about it, and he was encouraging me to finish it, and I went ahead and finished it, and. Decided to self-publish this time, and uh, we got it published. It mm-hmm. came out. The hardback came out in November, and so we did a, had a real mm-hmm. good November and December and January, and then, boom, everything went crazy there all of a sudden. So, Again. Uh, uh, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> but uh, I, it, it's it's fun to ride. I, of course, I write about the, the 1800s. Um, nothing. There's not a lawyer in any of my books, I promise you. <laughs> That's what I tell people. <laughs> Everyone here is has a lawyer, in it, but they're not a lawyer in any of our books. So uh, it's just a, a, <laughs> kind of, you know, I've heard John tell people you you need to write about what you know, you know, and I've always been a wow. big fan of the era. Uh, so that's kind of where that came from. But uh, it's a lot of fun. I love to, you have to me, the way I write, I just try to become my characters, you know, and, and, and a lot of mm-hmm. the scenes in, in Diablo, they're floating down the Mississippi River in a wooden flat boat. With not much of nothing going on, but you got to have some conversations. So I'm thinking, okay, what would I be doing if I was sitting on a boat full of people and I started this? And then what would if somebody said uh-huh. that to me, what would I? And that's just how you come up with the dialogue and the, the oh, wow. scenes that kind of tell the story one one little bit at a time mm-hmm. here. But uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, I love it. I got two or three more stories in my head right now, and I need to put uh-huh. them on paper, but I just haven't got around to it. Uh, like I said, we're raising two little boys, and they've been quarantined with us for a long time, so there's not a whole lot of quiet time around here to do a whole lot of writing. So, uh, um, yes. I'm sure you all can relate to that. So. Yeah. Yes, we so can. Do, do you and John still communicate a lot? or uh, A little bit, yeah. He's he's in his own world and has been for the last 30 years there, so uh, he kind of <laughs> checked out. A, they moved off to Virginia mm-hmm. in 1994 from Mississippi, and Boy, if we see him once a year now, uh, it's 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 unusual. Uh, but we talk every now and then. You know, he's got his, like I said, he's in his own world, and I'm in mine right now. So his, most of his phone calls these days are like, how do y'all do it, man? How do you? He said, we had our grandkids all weekend long, and they're about the same age as our kids. And he's like, they just kill us. They just wear us out. We can't wait for them to leave, and then we sleep for two days after they're gone. He said, I don't know how y'all do it. And I'm like, well, we don't really have any choice. We just we have a routine right. we got to and, and we make the best of it. Our friends the say the same thing. You know, it's funny. We got friends that say the same thing cuz most of my friends their kids are off to college now and and yeah. mid 20s <laughs> and stuff and got and got kids so they got grandkids and they get them and they're like you can take them back same day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard David Jeremiah speak one time and he said uh he said, as I probably won't say it right, but he said, I've seen the p- lights of Paris and I've seen the lights of Rome, 
But the most beautiful lights I've ever seen are the tail lights on a car when my grandchildren are heading home. So, <laughs> so oh, I love that. I thought that was funny. But, uh, very appropriate. <laughs> That's but, uh, crazy. Yeah. Now we have a good time. It's, so, it's kind of funny. We go through the same thing, but we're, we're just uh, our small groups kick off tonight at our church, and we got the we're going to go there in a couple hours, and everybody in our small group is our age, but uh, we have to drop the mm-hmm. kids off at church for babysitting so they can watch, put them in the nursery, and everybody else has grandkids or great grandkids, but uh, no, it's it's uh, that's, what, that's what God wants to happen, so you. that's what's happening. Yeah. Well, I, right. I feel your pain and. Uh, ditto there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't so know. It's, you know it, at, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So as you know it, as a up-and-coming author, because, you know, it, there's a struggle there, not just writing a book, but getting it published or even if you're self-publishing, getting the sales, just doing the work. And a lot of people, you know, they see like people like your brother. They see the the glory of these big yeah. authors, and but they don't see the grind, the sacrifices that it takes for an author to make it. And and I always go this route with artists. I think, but I think it's I think it's fitting with authors too because yes. they go through the same same type of grind mm-hmm. that artists go through. So I think this is a perfect lead-in um, for this. Um, so, and I always like to talk about that side of it because I don't think a lot of people realize how tough it is out there when you're a creative type. So let's talk about the struggles and sacrifices that you've had to make to try to make make this crazy dream of being an author work. Well, it's it, the the hardest thing to do is is to kind of when you are writing is to kind of go find a safe mm-hmm. quiet place place to write. That's that's <laughs> that's becoming more and more difficult. But uh, I I don't know. It's it's tough. I know our first agent. Uh, we went we submitted our our, our manuscript to uh, dozens and dozens of agents. And finally got a response, and uh, the guy we signed on with him, and he started going to publishers, and mm-hmm. it's just publisher after publisher. Our first book, uh, after we after we uh, got it published, we had another one that we were writing, or a couple more that we were working mm-hmm. on. Started showing we were turned down by thirty different publishers, and this is even after yeah. we we had became a published author. You would think, you know, once we cut the <laughs> kind of knocked the barrier down, the next books would be easier, but we never could get them published. And we tried Christian publishing. We went we. Clean them up a little bit and try to go Christian publishing and just never got mm-hmm. anywhere. So that's kind of when we quit and went back to our day jobs there. But uh, it's it's a very that's difficult well. process. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, the second agent that we hired for our first book uh, had rejected us. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, we we when we submitted uh, uh, the manuscript, yeah. like I said, many many agents, we'd sent it to this guy up in New York, and he's one of the top hotshot agents up there. And we had a dispute with our first agent and got rid of him and, and started looking for another agent. And we got a hold of this guy and signed with him. But And we told him, we said, we, we tried to get a hold of you about a year ago oh, wow. to represent us. And he's like, he said, I don't mm-hmm. even see those requests. He said, I have a girl that does nothing else but goes through him and, oh, and wow. chunks them in the garbage. And she may keep one out of ten and if, at the most. Yeah. So, so many people are just lost. You know, they fall through the cracks. There are some great books out there that – have been written that probably never have been published, and there probably is anything, you know, probably a lot of them out there. I don't know. But uh, it's very frustrating, and that's why I decided to self-publish this time. And I hired a publicist, mm-hmm. and we went to work, and uh, things were looking good, like I said, till the, till the pandemic hit us. But um, uh, there's there's a reason for everything. We, we you know, right off the bat, everybody was panicking, mm-hmm. and this going to be the end of the world and all this other. I'm, 
I just uh-huh. it just hits me, and I said, you know what? I and I don't post a whole lot. I'm not political. I try not to get political on Facebook, but yeah, I just put a post on there, and I said, let's don't forget that God is on His throne, and He is large and in charge, yep. and His will is what's going to happen. So quit worrying, man. <laughs> Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Uh, and I was reading yeah, like Solomon. I tell people. Yeah, you know that's why I tell people too. You know, you know that everybody thinks the world is ending almost, and all that. And I'm like, okay, let's pretend it doesn't. And yeah. let's pretend you go through this time period worrying about all that. What's going to happen when we come out on the other side and the yeah. world doesn't end? Did, yeah. you waste, did you waste your time through this? Yeah. 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 That's very true. That is very true. And you hear people on there talking about the tribulation and this is the end of times and all this other. And I just don't think we're there yet. It, it, Kind of seems like if you if you read scripture, you know what's all going to be happening in the last in yep. last days and all this other, and there's a lot of it going on. But it's been going on for centuries, you know. It's just I think there's more of it because of the the media. Everybody's got a, a camera on them, and everybody's got mm. a cell phone, so everybody yeah. knows what everybody else is doing. So we and, see it more. Absolutely, absolutely. So and, I'm just glad they didn't I, have I, iPhones yeah. and smartphones when I was a kid. I never would have made out of high school. Oh, thank God, would have shot me. <laughs> Whew, man. Yep. So. And, 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 you know, I, I just believe, you know, from what I've read from the Bible, that, you know, it talks about that nobody, not even Jesus, will know, would know when the end yep. time is coming. And I truly believe that it's not going to happen until almost everybody has given up that we just don't know when. Because, you know, if, as long as pe- the world is saying we are close, we're close, we're close, we're close, that it right. could happen tomorrow, I don't think yep. it's going to happen. I think I no. think because then if it happened, oh well then see you knew, but you're yeah. not you're not going to know. So I be- I just believe that until the church quits preaching that we are at the very end and it could be days. I think until until they get beyond that, I yeah. don't. I, it's just my belief based on what I read. Cause, you know, because if everybody's preaching that it could be we're within ten years or whatever, just say, well then that's saying that you know. And if it happens yeah. in that time, then that's then then that would show that oh there were people that ne- I just I just believe that it's good eventually we're going to get to a point to where preachers are going to say you know what we don't know we just don't it could yeah. be a hundred years from now and I think oh, that's absolutely. when we will be closer. <laughs> yes, I believe you're right. I really do. I think that uh, they've been making predictions for a long time, and obviously every one of them has been wrong. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> God says it's going to come like a thief in the night. So. Uh, I I don't know a lot. Of, I hear people all the time saying I'm ready, I'm ready, and I'm like, there's still work to do, man. You're not ready. You're not going anywhere. Uh, there's still work if to do. If you say you're ready, Look you're around. selfish at this point. That's right. That's right. Because That's I, I mean, and I, I've I've gotten friends mad at me before that because I've told people who's if I'm on the phone with somebody and they're like, I'm just ready for the Lord to come back. He he can come back any day now. I'm ready. He needs to. It's like you know, we just need this him him to come back. And I'm like. Are you sure you're ready for that? Because because there's going to be a lot of people not make it. I was like, Absolutely. the work is not done here. I was like, are you telling yeah. me that you would that you would rather not go through this mess and have the Lord come back and some people not be saved? Yeah, that's you're right. That's selfish. That's extremely selfish. But uh, I don't know. People get scared and they lose their faith, and I don't know. Almost desperation almost sets in sometimes. I think some people are on there and they just. I can't take it no more. I can't, you know, like, yes, you can. Get on your knees, man. It's, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Just get on your knees. So, yeah, because for us, 
I'll be honest, for us, this this has been the best time of our life this year. And now, granted, we ain't been able to go to church. We missed that part of it. But outside, which yeah. our church is about to reopen soon anyway. But outside of that, it's like, you know, when we launched this show January 3rd of this year, and I remember um, telling Sandy, you know, our our goal is 80 to 100 interviews our first year. And we thought, you know what, if we could do 100 interviews first year, that would be more than most hosts do in their very first year. So we'd be ahead of the game if we could just do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then COVID happens. And because our show is focused mostly on artists, I was like, I told, I was like, ooh, you know, they, all of the artist things got shut down, which of course I know yours did too. But all the artists, yeah. things, they're going to need a place to talk. And I was like, you know yeah. what? We got to step it up and be that place for them because this could be our year yeah. to shine. And because of that, we stepped it up and, and we have done, uh, you know, I think you're 212th interview now this year. Wow. That's amazing, bro. That's awesome, man. Good for congratulations. So now our goal is 300. Well, thanks. So now our goal is 300 for the year. Yeah. I'll say you could cruise on in pretty easy and get that. (laughs) That that ought to be easy. (laughs) Man, a lot of folks to talk to. Based on the route that we're going, we'll probably hit 300 beginning of December, looks like. Because like last month was our biggest month to date, and it was Mm -hmm. 44 interviews in one month. Golly. That's a lot of talking. <laughs> a lot of talking. Well, congratulations, man. That's great for you guys. That's great. So. Yeah, well, thank you. And, you know, awesome. you're talking about a lot of talking. It's funny. You know, God has a sense – God really does have a sense of humor. I re- when he we does. first married, my whole purpose that I thought I want to be this motivational speaker, and yeah. I listened to audios all day over almost 18 years ago when Sandy and I married. And she listens to music all the time. So when we yeah. got married, all of a sudden, it was like, what do we do in the car? So we, we compromised, and we did a 50-50 <laughs> split where we listen to audios 50% of the time and music 50% of the time. There you and go. it helped me become a better person through that. But here's the crazy part. 18 years later, I had no idea that here we are. We would, we would be at a point to where I'm still getting to speak just on a different platform than I thought, and Sandy's getting her music all under the Chris and Sandy show. Yeah, God, yeah, you just never know where God's going to lead. Because we would have never imagined this 10 years ago. No. Uh, that's great. That's awesome. I love to hear stuff like that. Because it puts you right where you want to be, and you're just as happy as you can be right there. That's that's a great story there. So Good exactly. for you all, man. I'm and proud gonna, for you. And we're, well, thanks. And we're going to take a quick commercial break. Um, it's just one okay. commercial, and then we're going to come back and talk some more. How's that sound? That sounds good. All right, here we go. Hey everyone, we have partnered with another great podcast called the Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at the sportsguyspodcast.com. It's a And we're back. 
<laughs> All right. So good deal. Let's talk about your book a little bit, that current book for this year. So tell us a little bit about okay. the book itself. Uh, the name of the book is Diablo. Uh, it starts, it's the late summer of 1860. And the winds of war kind of blowing. Everybody's talking about the election coming up and Lincoln and other slavery and all this other. But in the meantime, in Helena, Arkansas, which is about 30, 40 miles south of Memphis along the river, a beautiful young woman, prettiest girl in the county, named Amanda Walker, is sound asleep in her home, and she is abducted in the middle of the night by some bad guys from New Orleans. Oh, wow. And they chuck her on a flatboat and take her down the river, pretty much to sell her into prostitution. Uh, They got a man they work for, and, and... they basically hunt women all along the river. It's usually uh, the black women or, or Indians, but sometimes they'll get them a white woman if they can. And and they got this gal and took her down the river, and they didn't realize what they were getting a hold of because she's marrying a rattlesnake, even though she is the prettiest girl in the <laughs> county. But her husband comes home. He's been off gone because they got in a big fight. She slapped him around. He left for a few days. He comes back and sees his house just destroyed. And uh, there's one guy laying in the floor that's almost dead. And he tries to talk to him, and he can't understand him because he's got this Cajun accent, and he's got a little necklace around his neck with alligator teeth and bones and hair and stuff like that. So that's the only clue he has as to where his wife might be. And he mm-hmm. starts doing, starts to, uh, talking to the constable and some more men along the river, and, he, and they tell him, so yeah, there's a good chance she got sold down the river. So they hire a flatboat crew, and they head down the river. Uh, leaving out of Helena uh, to go looking for his wife, and they stop in every little town on both sides of the river all the way to New Orleans, uh, searching in brothels and saloons, anywhere she might be working. Or, and he just can't imagine her being able, her doing that because she was so mean and had such a smart mouth and just was hard to deal with. Um, and so he finally they finally get out of New Orleans, and in, in the meantime, one of the flatboat member uh, crew member is a female who carries herself as a man so nobody will mess with her. And her dad is the owns the flatboat. So well, they kind of spark up a little relationship. And, but he can't do anything because he's looking for a woman that he really don't want to find. Uh, and so uh, he kind of puts her on the side. It's like, look, i got to find this to end this. So maybe we can do something. Invest. But they, the feelings start growing, and he's just about to give up. And he finds out from a guy, she's, uh, he's seen her in New Orleans, his first wife is. So they head to New Orleans and, and start searching there for months and months. And, and the war is building in the background. And uh, just all kinds of stuff happens. But about the last half of the book takes place in New Orleans. And he's they're going down. Every, I've been to New Orleans one time. I wrote through, it, wrote through the French Quarter once just to say I've been there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know anything about it at all. But I had, to, had me a map from 1880, and it showed every street in New Orleans. So I could... Like if they were chasing each other through the through the French Quarter, I knew the streets and everything. So uh, that was that was kind of the the it ended. The book ends just as the Civil War was about to start. Lincoln's been elected. Every time they stop along the river, they get the news updates. You know, one time Lincoln's been elected. Next time South Carolina's bombed Fort Sumter, and then they secede, and the Confederacy's formed. So it's kind of the timeline as they're going down the river as to what's happening in the real world. So. But it's a blast, everybody. I've got some really, really good reviews. One of the best ones I got was from my high school English teacher, and oh, wow. she read it twice. Scared the daylights out of me because <laughs> she don't she don't pull any punches. And uh, she read it twice and <laughs> sent me a message and just told just went bragged and bragged and bragged. And people were commenting on her comments saying, "Wow, <laughs> Michelle liked your book. You must be good." So, but uh, that, that was a big plus. I've had. That's some great reviews. Everybody, everybody's read it. Seems to like it. That's what's kind of frustrating. So, with the sales, so it man, sounds but. like that the book is, of course, fictional, but with some twit, some things in there that's kind of timeline is almost real. 
It is. It is. Uh, and that that would just it's kind of classified as historical fiction or just mm-hmm. you know Wild West adventure okay. almost because it's really not that much about the war. That's just kind of something that's going on in the background and. They're all. They know it's approaching, yeah. and they're wondering what they're going to do, and where they're going to go, and are they going to join the army and fight, or what they're going, to, you know, where they're going to go here, because there's no way to avoid it. So, in New yeah. Orleans, I don't know if you know much Civil War history. It was one of the first places that the the Union Army uh, took control of, because they did, they had the big navy, and they came right up the Mississippi River and mm-hmm. took New Orleans without hardly firing a shot there. So, and another oh, wow. af- uh, aspect of it uh, that I put in the book, and I, I didn't know if I wanted to or not, but I'm glad I did. It was. Uh, mm-hmm. Drug use, uh, opium had, be, had had came oh, wow. with the Chinese when they migrated wow. to the states, and it it was all over America. I had I actually found a picture of a syringe from 1860, I think it was, and it was a big brass syringe. It looks like something you'd use on a bull or something. But they were actually melting that huh. stuff down and shooting it up in the 1860s. And so I factored wow, that I in. This guy, that. when he yeah, when he kidnaps these girls, he gets them hooked on opium, and then they're his forever because they they got to have the drug too. So. But uh, that played into it. That's not a lot of people knew about that. <clears throat> but so a lot, so a lot, of, a lot of Chinese in, in, the, in the book. Yeah, that's kind of what uh, over the years, as I watched read John's books and, and talked to different people and uh, different editors and agents, and they said you got to you got to you got to use every emotion, make them cry, make them laugh, make them <laughs> mad, make them sad. You know, so you, you you try to come up with scenes that that go in different directions, just just temporarily. You know, you can bring them back to reality here, but. Just to kind of make them think about the whole big picture there sometimes, but it's so much fun. Yeah, you're talking really, about I, you're talking about you wrote this book over the years, it's like seven years type thing. I, I definitely know about that because we've been writing on a book called Broken Together. Now, I guess nonfiction, not fiction, but okay. we've right. been writing a book called Broken Together, and it's about and it's um about how two people when they marry they're broken, they just don't realize it, and many times right. in argue, you know, when they have arguments in marriage. Their arguments are almost never about their current circumstances like they think. You know, hey, he spilled spaghetti, and, they, right. and the woman freaks. Yeah. Well, it's it's really not about the spaghetti. It's about it's a little the deeper than that she's covered up. Yeah, It's always deeper. Yeah. And, and so we're trying to take people back in their in their stories to, to realize, you know what, there's always deeper issues when you argue. And yeah. we hope that once, but we, but I've been writing on that thing for like four or five years, and it's like, uh, am I yeah. ever going to get it done? You know, we got about twelve thousand yeah. words written so far. Okay. <laughs> well, well, now I heard John tell somebody one time, if you can write a page a day, before you know it, you know, you got three hundred sixty-five pages. If you know, if you can do it, if you can only write a half yep. a page a day, then that's that's. But it, it adds up pretty quick. I don't. I, I, yep. I'm I'm a weird kind of writer. I don't plan anything. I've got a story in my yeah. head. Uh, John plans everything. Uh, the guy I wrote the first oh, book wow. with David Donaldson, he plans everything before he even writes a, a scene or a chapter. He knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. He knows everybody's name in it. He's got to fill in the blanks. I don't have a clue. Yeah. I'll start writing a scene, and something and else will pop into my you head. Let the scene guy. And I'll go that direction and go uh, get five or six pages, which is usually a good scene. And I'll come back to where I started from, and then do that one, and sometimes do another one after that. And I've got three scenes or a whole chapter there, you know, in twenty twenty five pages. In just a few days, oh, wow. and then I'll stop for a while and start thinking on my next scene. I'm gonna, <laughs> but they call it seat of the pants. That's uh, I write by the seat of my pants here. That's what they call it there. So, but and, and you know, that, that's the only way I know to do it. That's how I write. Do you? Yeah. yeah you get, because, when you get a you know, thought, you just go put it on paper. So. Yeah, and I just feel like it's a God thing. Like like when we're sitting, when I'm like I write a lot of articles that's for God, for marriage and stuff like that. 
and there are times where I'm right. I'll get down the computer and I'll start writing, and I'll just yeah. write until I have nothing left. When and sometimes, yeah. sometimes that's 100, 200 words. Sometimes it's yeah. two thousand words. You know, yeah. it just it's just when I feel like I've written enough for that moment. Right. I got <laughs> and, you. And that, and that's used. And so I kind of go. Get, it's funny because Sandy and I have talked about this. She's the opposite because she's like you know when she, she kind of edits what I write when when I you know I haven't had her edit in a while I need to but some stuff I write yeah. I'll, I'll send it <laughs> yeah. to her to edit and she's like how do you write because she's like she's like how do you write without editing while you write I'm like if I edit while I'm <laughs> typing it up I will lose where I was going oh yeah, yeah no <laughs> doubt I do the same thing I just gotta type. I do the same thing. I'll get through. I'll write a paragraph without even looking up, and then I get through, and there's nothing but red lines and blue lines, and I'm like, whoa, 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 that's ugly. But I don't stop. I'm like you. I want to finish, and I and when I finish, I just walk away, and I'll come back a few hours later and, and correct everything that I, you know, because yeah. everybody needs an edit. I'm not an editor by any stretch, but yeah, um, it's mm-hmm. uh, it, I'm, I'm it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun though. It really is. But uh, anyway, so. One thing well, I'm I like glad to do I'll on tell you. Show. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was, uh, I was just going to wish you luck. Good luck on your book, and look forward to reading it when you get through there. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Um, but I was oh, going to say that um, one thing I like to do on our show is, you know, whether you're an artist, whether you're an author, it really doesn't matter. Every person has to have a team behind them that kind of, whether it's a paid team or a support team, doesn't matter. But there's always people behind them, and I always like to want to give people a chance to talk about the team that's behind them so if you want to take a few minutes just to tell us that who supports you that helps you be who you are oh my number one fan is my beautiful wife kelly she's uh she's a <laughs> she's a godsend i tell you she, she we fit together so well and we both had bad marriages and and you know struggled through life with our kids and when we met it was just like boom uh we've been together almost four, mm-hmm. our anniversary is coming up next month it'll be 14 years and uh, she's she's yeah. she's not really an editor, but everything I write, I, I I give it to her, and I say, okay, does that make sense? <laughs> and she says, absolutely, because I'm, I'm I got a couple of projects going with our church and some more stuff, but I'll write a scene or a chapter, and I take it to her immediately, and I'll say, okay, just tell me if it makes sense. And she's brutally honest. She'll come back, she say, this looked good, but when you said this, it went this way, and don't do that. And I'm like, okay. And then I got her, and I got uh, TJ and Jill, our, our, our agent slash publishers yeah, out of Nashville. Those guys are oh, yes, they are something else. They are, they're great. Mm-hmm. I tell you, I'm glad they're on my team because uh, they, they really yeah. hustle, and, and, and they've got great personalities and great people. Uh, I just love spending time with them. I just wish we wasn't so far away from them. We're two hours away, so we don't see them that often, but we speak just about every day. And uh, he's uh, he's an optimistic guy. He's he's a uh, Always looking for what's next, what's coming down the road. Everything's going to be okay, even through this uh, virus and everything else. He's always been upbeat, upbeat and optimistic that this we're going we're going to get this happen. We're going to start negotiating on the film rights when this is all through. And because we were very close, mm-hmm. we had some representative mm-hmm. two guys from a, a studio in Atlanta. I'll let you figure out who that was, but uh, they actually came to see us. Yeah. And we talked to them a dozen times. Yeah, I already and, know because he told me. And about we that. were. Oh, yeah. Oh, he didn't. Okay, but we were talking numbers yeah. as to you know how much this and everything percentages yeah. and all this other and man, it's like disappearing. Didn't hear from him for a couple of months, and I called and mm-hmm. talked to the guy or left him a voicemail. About yeah. two weeks later, he called me back and said, "Hey, man, we about ready to go now. We're looking forward to doing this, and we ready to go and all this other." I'm like, "Yes, yes." 
And that was in April, and that's the last time I talked to him. So I don't know. I don't know. Oh, what's going uh, on I there, guess because uh, wow. I guess because of COVID and all that. Probably Everything, yeah, they're shut down. Everything. The Screen mm-hmm. Actors Guild is—they're all shut down. The, California's a ghost town, they say, or LA is, where they're filming out there. It's just mm-hmm. nothing going on. So. Yeah, I don't know. We're gonna have a movie shortage here for too much longer, I guess. Which probably wouldn't be a bad thing, considering most of the movies aren't worth watching anyway. So I probably shouldn't say that. But, but, uh, anyway, not a lot of movies you can watch with your little kids these days. That's for sure. Oh, that's we watch so a lot weird. of SpongeBob and <laughs> Masha and the Bear. And SpongeBob. Yeah, we watched a lot of that. SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah, we Bubble Guppies, all those. SpongeBob. Yeah. Oh yeah, all of them. Cracks me up, I tell you. He's, that's about the one I can sit there and watch with him for a while. Any of the rest of them, they get on my nerves after a while. But SpongeBob right. had to go Same crack here. me up. I'm telling you. They, yeah, they, they, they I, I remember when I, I remember when Lil Chris was into um, a show about three, four years ago called Caillou. Oh my God, that was irritating. I remember that. Oh, yeah. it my was. wife babysitting Caillou. a little boy in that. They, she babysit a couple of kids when we were in Birmingham, so we've always had kids in the house. And that Sheriff Callie's Wild West, and we used to watch that all the time. So. <laughs> and my, I can remember my kids when they were little, they loved the Rugrats. We used to watch Rugrats. Oh, all the time, yes. So. <laughs> but SpongeBob but, has been okay. I mean, we, we like like Sandy said, we've probably watched every episode <laughs> multiple times. Multiple times. Uh, <laughs> I'll still see a new one every now and then. I'll just sit there and laugh. I watched one of David Patrick when they had him disguised like a girl, and I could not quit laughing. He was he was killing me. <laughs> oh, that but, was uh, hilarious. And, you know, speaking of little Chris, we always bring him on to ask each guest one question. He's we kind do. of our third co-host. So Sandy's yeah. going to bring him on real quick. Then when our 18-month-old gets older, older, we'll be plugging her into the show. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so we right, we are a family good. affair. There you go. That's that's the way it ought to be. That's the way it ought to be. Yep. The only way to do it. Okay, here Andy. is Christopher with his question. Hi, Mark. Hello, Christopher. I'm sorry? What's your favorite food? My favorite food? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I always said if I was on death row, and I hope I'm not, but if I had one last meal, it'd, I want to eat all the lobster I can. I've never got my full my fill of lobster, and I can eat a lot, but I've never just been able to see eat all I wanted and get full. So I would say lobster, which is oh, wow. pretty expensive food, but uh, it's still good. <laughs> and I love lobster. So. And what's yours, little Chris? Pizza. Pizza. Yeah, we like pizza too yeah. around here. My wife gets the vegetable pizzas, and we get the all meat, four meat pizzas with extra cheese and everything else on there. So we love pizza. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for your Christmas all all day long. There you go. He could eat pizza all day long. (laughs) He could. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's eighteen. Where do you want to be in? He's eight. Eight, eight. Okay, eight. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Okay. Yeah, he's eight, and and it's like you know watching him grow. And then, like I said, when Caitlin gets older, we'll be plugging her into the show too. There you go. Yeah. She might take over for you. You never know. The little girls are talkers sometimes. <laughs> so, I know my oldest one was a talker. Whew, man, still talk. Talk <laughs> years old. So. <laughs> so as as you grow into your career here with writing, where do you want to be in five years? Oh, I'd love to be able to, to get to where I, I publish a novel every year and just keep telling the similar stories that I'm writing about now. I've, like mm-hmm. I said, I've got some great stories in my head. I just mm-hmm. 
I need to get busy. It's hard to get motivated when you got all these books sitting there looking at you, and you got a movie that's just it's kind of sitting uh, dead in the water there. So I need to get a little more motivated now that the boys are not here all the time. Uh, the, the oldest one's going mm-hmm. to preschool every day, and that that is a huge blessing. So uh, <laughs> we get him out of the house every day. So um, I would I would love to be able to. Die. That's basically what John's done uh, for the last thirty years. He's he's written a book a year, and he had the uh, the Theodore Boone series. I think he wrote. Uh, probably maybe eight or ten of those. Uh, he did those for a few years, so he'd write a couple of books a year. Uh, mm-hmm. I, he told me one time. He mm-hmm. told me every year. He said, "We." He said, I, "I said, why are you still writing books?" He said, "I love it. I love to write books. I love to tell stories." And he said, "Truthfully, with the kids are grown, his kids are grown and, and married and have grandkids." And he said, "I ain't mm-hmm. got much to do." <laughs> I said, "Okay, well, at least you're honest there." But uh, he don't do it out of boredom, <laughs> but. Uh, he he probably gets a story in his head and just can't can't quit till he uh, till he writes a, writes a book about it. And then my mother, when I was a little boy, mm-hmm. I remember telling her about my great grandmother one time. I called her Mama Otter, and she was a poet. Uh, never got anything published, but she had a big, huge book of poems that my mother had ended up with. And and she was showing me all the poems one day, and she told me she said your grandmother would wake up in the middle of the night with a poem in her head. And she could not oh, go wow. back to sleep until she got up and wrote that poem mm-hmm. out. And then when she did, huh. she'd go back to sleep and sleep like a baby there. So maybe that's where the stories come from. They just pop in our heads and we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. They, we got to get them out of there. Because, <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got two or three in my head right now. It's just, you know, I, I think about them all the time. So I need to get started on them, I guess. But uh need to get yeah. motivated. But anyway, that's uh, – no, as- as other people are trying to become authors themselves, which is a lot of them, what one piece of advice you would give for an author to get through all this maze stuff? <laughs> Be patient. It's a very slow process. Whatever route you take, whether it's uh, hiring a literary agent uh, or self-publishing mm-hmm. and, then, and then looking for a publisher, it's a very slow process. And if you're mm-hmm. if you're rejected, don't take it personally because everybody's rejected at one time or another. John was rejected. I don't know how many times with a time to kill. Uh, I forget it was close to twenty publishers. I think turned down a time to kill. Uh, so just be patient. Don't give up. If if you truly believe in what you're doing mm-hmm. and and you enjoy it, don't don't give up. Whatever you do, don't give up. So it's and it's easy to because you do get beat. You, you know you you work your butt mm-hmm. off and you you get a book and get it published and nobody buys it and it's very easy to get an attitude and get bitter and wonder why aren't people buying my book? It's a good book, you know. So you can't do that. <laughs> so that's that's that's, yeah. that's the worst thing you can do. And it's probably Enjoy harder it. if you yeah. self-publish because then you're putting all that money into it. Even it more. is. It's an yeah. It's an upfront investment that we that Kelly and I uh, discussed and. That's one reason it took us a while to do it, it took us a while to do it because we really didn't we didn't want to step out and take that chance because we got burned pretty good in 2008. Uh, I had a oh, construction right. parts business and I pretty much gave it up to promote the first book and it and it cost me mm-hmm. dearly so I didn't want to put us through that again so uh, it was we we finally did it and and are glad we did you know we're we're yeah. we're going to be okay everything's going to come back come back around here right now and and, and the encouraging thing is is the people that that have read the book and the reviews and i think tj put a bunch of them on our website uh just the people that read it mm-hmm. over and just the fantastic reviews man i mean just you know that's that's so encouraging and and i've heard that for years ever since we finished or, or ever since we kind of gave up on the first book i have people ask me over and over and over, when you're gonna write another book when you're gonna write another load your first book when you're gonna write it so here it is <laughs> come and get it so <laughs> But love that. So if you want to tell people how they can reach out to you through social media, that'd be great. 
Okay, I'm on Facebook at Mark Grisham. Uh, I'm on uh, got a website, markgrishamauthor.com. Uh, you can buy both books there. There's a really cool movie trailer that TJ made for us in about two hours one night, which just blew me away, but it's a great movie trailer. Yeah, kind of tells a quick synopsis of the book here. Uh, some beautiful woman's kidnapped, and some bad guys get her, and got to go rescue her. So that's kind of the premise of the book there. But uh, <laughs> just, uh, uh, yeah, go go to my website or go to Facebook, either one. We love that. And we enjoyed having yeah. you on the show today, and we definitely look forward to having you back down the road. Sounds good to me. Uh, you have a great day. You too, guys. I appreciate it. It was great talking to you and great to meet you, and God bless you, and good I luck, think. and I hope you hit 300 plus. So, so, <laughs> oh, thank you so much. We'll talk right. to you soon. Take, Bye. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Bye-bye.